You're listening to Coaching Skills for Leaders. This is episode number 26, airing on February 27th, 2012. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching Skills for Leaders. This is the show for leaders who want to develop their coaching skills so they can help others achieve their maximum potential. Whether you're a seasoned leader or you're leading people for the first time, improving your coaching skills will help drive your success and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic is 10 ways to engage people today. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Coaching Skills for Leaders. My name is Dave Stahoviak, and I'm coming to you from our studio here in Orange County, California, and so glad to be back with you for another episode of the show and the final episode in our series on engagement. And you may have noticed that today's topic is 10 ways to engage people today, not tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, whenever we feel like it, today. And so my goal today is to give you 10 tools that you could take and utilize any of these tools today. And my challenge to you would be that you would take at least one of these things. And whether you're, if you're listening to this in the evening, you may not have a chance to do it today, but for sure tomorrow morning, that you can take one of these 10 things and apply it and see practical results. Because if you don't do it today or tomorrow morning, then you miss the opportunity. You miss the opportunity to engage the person that you're leading. Maybe you eventually lose them to the competition. You lose the opportunity for the idea that they had, but probably even more important than those things is you miss the opportunity to help maximize their potential in the way you're leading them. And that is a great loss if you want to be a leader that is really tapping into the potential of the people you influence every day. It's a tremendous responsibility those of us who are leaders have each day. And so I'm hopeful that these 10 ideas will help you to be able to engage people in some significant ways. And as you're listening today and you have comments or questions about what you're hearing, or perhaps as you start to apply one of these 10 things and you see something happen as a result, I'd love to hear about it and hear what you've done to put these tools into action. So uh, jot this number down, 949-38-LEARN. That's our community feedback line. You can leave a message there anytime and I will respond to it and uh, potentially even include your message here on the show and your feedback. You can also send feedback anytime to feedback at innovatelearning.com. That's our feedback email address. And of course, you can also reach out to us on Skype and leave a message there. And our Skype name is Innovate Learning. Not Innovative Learning, Innovate Learning. So let's jump into these 10 ways to engage people. Number one, and this is something that all of us have the potential to do if we are in a leadership role, is to sponsor an employee goal. Now, whenever I say sponsor an employee goal, sometimes people hear that and they say, oh, that means I have to allocate a bunch of budget for someone to be able to do something that's important to them. Well, that is one way to sponsor an employee goal, but there are a lot of other ways to do that as well. Now, if you're doing a halfway decent job as a leader, you know something about what's important to each person you're leading to do this year that will help them to further their professional development 
or maybe their personal development, and will also help you as a leader. And hopefully that will, in addition to those two things, help out the entire organization. So you've probably done a some sort of feedback or professional development report, and you have a whole bunch of things for that person to work on this year. And here's the opportunity to start to put some action behind that. Now, I'm a firm believer that when it comes to professional development, the employee or the person being led or the person that's being developed is the primary driver of their professional development. And it's important for people to know that. It's not fair for employees or people that are being led to expect that their leader is going to drive their professional development for them or exclusively. That's not fair. And it's unreasonable to expect that if you work in any type of organization or any type of volunteer work. But it is fair for an employee or a volunteer, whoever's being led, to expect that the leader is going to do something to provide opportunities or sponsorship, or ways that will help them to get to the goals that you two have come to together. And so there's a few ways to do that. One of them is to potentially send that person for some type of skill development or training in the particular area that is important to you and to them. And there are so many different training options out there. I could, and and actually may, spend several episodes talking about different ways you can develop people and something that's actually on our topic list for this year. Um, But one thing to know about that before even getting into that in great detail when we do that show in the future is tie it into things that are on that employee's goals. So if there's something that's important to that employee this year and is important to you, make sure the training or whatever you're doing is tied into that. I can't tell you how many times I've seen over the years where employees or groups of employees get sent to trainings that have very little to do with their professional development goals and uh, unfortunately don't even have that much to do often with the organizational goals. They're kind of like, well, you know, we there's a class coming up. Uh, it says I have to attend a class this year for my professional development. I'll do this to check the box. That's not really sponsoring an employee goal. So, so really look for opportunities to find some good alignment around that. But it doesn't just have to be training. You could uh, make an opportunity for someone to go to a conference to maybe participate in some type of uh, professional activity that they haven't been able to do before. Maybe it means being able to spend some time shadowing someone and learning about a different role or a different position in the organization that they wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to do. It might be something as simple as giving someone some extra time during the week to be able to move forward on a professional development goal. It might be being able to use office resources in a way that they wouldn't normally be able to be used, but that by using those resources with your permission would help advance their professional development or even their personal development. The key is, is find out what's important to the employee and you that will help advance them forward. And once you've figured out what that is, provide some sort of resource to help get them there. That might be money, but it doesn't have to be. Time, resources, opportunities, There's so many different ways to sponsor an employee goal. So what I would challenge you to do is to think about what are some goals that the people you lead have this year and think about at least one person. And as you're thinking about that, what's something you could do to provide some type of resource to help them get there? Might be a physical resource, might be some time, might be uh, 
might be access to somebody. Those are all great ways to sponsor an employee goal. And by the way, I use this term employee broadly. Those of you who listen to the show know that there's many people who listen to the show who lead volunteers. And so, you know, I I mean that term very broadly. It's really anyone that you lead. If you can find a way to sponsor their goal, they will stay engaged with you. At least they'll be a lot more likely to. So let's look at number two here. Number two is no family names. Know the family names of the people that you lead. Now, this might kind of seem like uh, something that's sort of small or unimportant or even nitpicky, but boy, it's something that really can make a big difference in how connected you are to the people that you work with and that you lead. And I very vividly remember having a manager, a very senior manager in an organization that I worked with a number of years ago, who often would say that one of the things that really impressed her about people when she had conversation with people is whether or not they remembered uh, that she was married and then if they remembered her husband's name and would ask about him in conversation. And she said, you know, sometimes people hadn't even met him, but if they had picked up on the fact that I was married and they picked up on uh, the conversations I had about him because he was someone who was tremendously important in her life, that that was very meaningful to her, and it showed her that someone cared about her and connected with her. And I remember that story because it's always been a reminder to me, and it was a is a point that kind of a light bulb went on for me that it's important to really know the names of the people you lead, of course, but it's also important to know the names of the people that are important to them. Now that is often their family, but it might also be other people in their life too. And so for me, if if I can do a good job as a leader of at least knowing one or two people in the, in the person's life that I'm leading that outside the organization that are important, it's great because then I can engage them in conversation. I can learn about that person and I learn more about what it is that that person cares about in their personal life. And, you know, and it, and it is a really great indicator to see if people are connected. Um, I know for me, uh, my wife, Bonnie, has a very unique spelling of her name. Uh, it's B-O-N-N-I. She doesn't have an E in her first name. And so for me, when it's, I often expect that people are going to misspell her name because it's, you know, spelled a very unusual way. But when people don't misspell it, like if I get an email from someone and they spell her name correctly, I'm always impressed by that. And I'm always, I always think that that person is someone who really listens well, pays attention to people, and knows that people's names matter. So something I challenge you to do as a leader is think about the people that you lead. Do you know their spouse's names? Do you know their children's names? Do you know the names of the people that are most important in their personal lives, their good friends? And if you do, great, good for you. If you don't, there's a opportunity to learn a little bit more about the people that you lead. Now, don't be awkward about it. <laughs> don't go into their office this morning and say, I don't know your husband's name. Can you tell me his name? That's going to be a little weird. But listen for it in conversation. Listen for it the next time you hear it. And when you hear it, write it down. Write it down somewhere where you're going to remember. And then the next time that they're talking about their personal life, ask about that person. And that's how you get connected to them. You're not doing it to, just, you're not doing it to impress them. Although it will be impressive to people if you remember their family members' names, but you're doing it because you want to genuinely connect. And if you do it coming from that standpoint, 
then you will engage people more effectively. Number three, learn the story of somebody that you lead. Learn the story of somebody that you lead. And this is a really important principle in leadership because often we either have people that come to work uh, with us or as leaders, many of us have been in the position where we have inherited a team of people and maybe we've heard something about them from uh, other colleagues. Maybe we've heard something about them from the person who led them previously. Maybe we know very little about them, but we interact with them the first couple of weeks or first couple of days even on the you know in this new role or new assignment and we develop a relationship with them and that relationship is based upon the time that we've known them unfortunately that's very self-centered for us to do as a leader is to only look at that perspective because that's about us that's about the time we've known them and we sometimes forget that people have lives not only outside of that time frame but certainly outside of the work that they're doing in our organization, whatever that organization is. So I would challenge you to learn the story of someone you lead. And what I mean by that is find out what brought them to the organization, if you don't already know that. Find out what it is that uh, has kept them there. Find out where it is that they're going. What's a time or a story that's been meaningful to them? What's something that in their lives that's been a defining moment or was a defining moment that changed their perspective on something. All of those things help you as a leader to understand more about what motivates that person, what values they hold dear. And if you know those things, then you can lead them in a way that's in alignment with the things that they care about and that are going to engage them. Okay, number four, recognize someone publicly. Uh, you know, there's you hear this all the time in leadership books and resources and seminars is the importance of recognizing people and doing it in an effective way. And I couldn't agree with it more is really taking the time to recognize people. Uh, you know, people complain all the time in organizations, and I've heard it many times over the years from clients of how I only hear about things when I only get attention from my manager or the vice president or the director when something's wrong. The phone rings immediately. I start getting flooded with emails. Um, I get called at night. I get called on the weekend, and I know that something's wrong. I never get that urgent phone call to tell me that something went well. And that's just human nature, right? So something goes bad. We're going to you know, often people react to it immediately, and we've all done that. And certainly, if you're any type of leadership role, you have done that too. I know I have. I've reacted to situations where something's gone wrong and I've given someone much more attention than I did when something went right. So it's not that we're ever not going to do that as leaders, but let's also do the other side too. Let's take some time to recognize someone. And I challenge you to, um, if you can, recognize someone in person. And if you're comfortable doing this, I would challenge you to recognize someone publicly. So there's a lot of different ways to do that. So you could recognize someone at a staff meeting. Uh, uh, you know, take a moment to single out someone in the organization that has done something that's been really effective over the last week or month or however long the time frame is since the last time you met. And uh, here's the thing I would challenge you to do, just like we learned back in episode number nine of this show. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes is find an attribute, something about them that is a positive attribute give a specific example of a time that they uh, showed that attribute and then thank them. 
It doesn't need to be more in a minute. In fact, it's probably best if it's not. And if you do that, and particularly if you do that in a public forum, people really notice that and almost everybody appreciates that type of recognition. It doesn't cost you a thing. It doesn't cost your organization a thing. It takes a minute during the meeting. It takes you maybe three or four minutes before the meeting to think about it, what it is you're going to recognize the person with. And it can bring wonderful benefits to you and that person because it demonstrates to people that you notice and that you care. Now, one word of warning if you're going to do this, recognize someone publicly, is don't overdo it. I worked with a leader many years ago who uh, called me after a meeting and said, hey, I, I know you had suggested recognizing people, and I did that at my meeting, and it didn't go well. And I was, I was trying to think, like, as, as she was saying that, like, what, what could not have gone well, or what did she do? And so she started telling me the story, and what had happened is she took this to the extreme and decided that there was something like 10 people in the meeting. She was going to recognize everyone. So she went around the room and did this with every single person in the meeting, and she forgot somebody. There were 11 people in the room. She only did 10. And someone called her on it at the meeting and said, hey, what about so-and-so? And she couldn't think of anything positive to say about the other person. Don't do that, okay? So uh, rather than trying to hit everybody, don't, don't do that. Find one person. Next meeting, find someone else. But do something that's going to publicly recognize uh, what someone has done and done in an effective way. And again, episode number nine is a great resource for that if you're looking for a model on how to do that. Now, on the opposite side, here's point number five. Give constructive feedback. Give constructive feedback to people. And so often leaders don't do this. And, oh, I so wish that they did this better. I know I wish that the people who have led me in my lifetime, I wish many of them had given me more constructive feedback than they had. And I know that I'm so grateful for the people that did give me constructive feedback because they made me a better employee. They made me a better manager. They ultimately made me a better leader and even a better person for the feedback that I got. And I think a lot of the time, the reason that leaders don't give constructive feedback is one, they don't know how to. And then secondly, they're afraid. They're afraid that if they give constructive feedback, that people aren't going to like them that people aren't going to want to be led by them anymore, that people are going to leave the organization. And you know what? It does happen on occasion. It does happen that people aren't liked and people do leave when they get tough feedback or constructive feedback. But you know what happens more often is people, uh, when they get honest, constructive feedback that's done in a way that is positive and productive and empowering to the person, is that they really want to hear more of it from that leader and they value that and they want to learn and they want to grow further. And I know that's been true for me. People who have given me very good constructive feedback, not critical feedback for no reason, but good constructive feedback that was warranted. Those are people I've had the most respect for and the people I've enjoyed working with the most over the years. So I challenge you to do that. If you're looking for a model for how to do that, we talked about the expectation example and power model in episode number 10. So be sure to look, listen to that episode and it'll give you some good resources for doing that. Here's the thing is if you don't give people constructive feedback, they will like you more in the, in the initial front stages of the relationship, but they won't like you as much long term. If you really start off by giving people good constructive feedback and you're honest and upfront with them, they will like you more in the long run. 
I promise you. I promise you. Point number six, talk about your own mistakes. You know, everybody makes mistakes. Every single person that's ever been led has made a mistake. And every single person who leads makes mistakes. And here's the thing is often when you're leading people and they mess up something, they have messed up something that you also messed up 5, 10, 15 years ago. <laughs> and so one of the things that uh, that I try to do, and, and this is some advice from uh, you know Dale Carnegie in his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, is talk about your own mistakes. And I had a great, I've had a great privilege of being a senior instructor in a training organization of, of other instructors. And one thing that I would do is whenever I'd see an instructor when I was coaching them or, or training someone to be an instructor and kind of coaching and mentoring them as I would, um, and I'd see something that they didn't do well as I'd you know, write it down. And then I'd also try and think of, is this something that I've done before too? And what did I do to make a mistake doing this? And I try and think of an example of a time that I did something similar to that. Now, you're not always going to have a time where you've made the same mistake and certainly don't make it up. That's or one thing I've seen people do with this is they'll say, oh, I'll, t- I'll talk about my mistakes and they'll make up a mistake they made in the past. No, 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 no. <laughs> you have to be truthful about it. So talk about a mistake you've made because if you are coaching someone else and you're helping them to keep from making mistakes and learn from the mistakes they made, if you can talk about mistakes you've made as a leader, that helps them to feel like you're human. It also helps them to realize that mistakes are a normal part of the learning process. And if you're going to be a leader who coaches people, and if you've listened this far into this episode, number 26, (laughs) I'm guessing that you do care about that because after all, this is coaching skills for leaders, right? You are going to coach people through mistakes. It's inevitable. So it's not whether or not you're going to have it happen. You're going to have it happen. What are you going to do when people make mistakes? So one thing you can do that helps to people to realize that mistakes are okay and it's part of the learning process is talk about your own mistakes too. Number seven, reward innovation even when it fails. You know, we have this talk in, in organizations, I know in corporate America it goes on all the time, this a cliche phrase of think outside the box. <laughs> everyone wants everyone to think outside the box and come up with great ideas. We want you to think creatively and we want you to be proactive and we want you to be innovative. And I know that's something I've heard again and again in organizations. I want you to be intera- innovative and proactive and go out there and uh, you know challenge the status quo and think differently and all these cliches and phrases we've all heard over the years. And, but what happens a lot of the time is leaders want the best ideas, but they only reward the successful ones. And so it's kind of an interesting mixed message. People say, well, think outside the box, but don't think outside the box unless it, unless you're going to do something that's not going to be a failure. Well, here's the thing. If you really want people to be innovative and you really want to have an organization and a team of people that are going to be creative and you tr- want true creativity you better be ready for people to fail because true creativity, things that go, th- people who really are thinking outside the box, doing things differently, um, really trying to find the best ideas are going to hit roadblocks all along the way. Ask any entrepreneur who's running a successful organization, how many times they failed prior to them running a successful organization. And you'll hear story after story after story of all the mistakes that were made along the way to figuring out the right way to do something. So 
if you only reward success, if you only get people together in a room and, and recognize people when everything goes great, you are sending the message that you better be careful if you're going to be creative in this organization and if I'm leading you because I only want people who don't make mistakes. And that's not really the message you want to send. The message you want to send is, yeah, we want to have great results, but we also, I also recognize as a leader that there are going to be mistakes and failures that are going to happen along the way. And when that happens, to still reward people for effort and time and the dedication that they've given and to point out not the mistake or the failure, but to point out the effort and the willingness for people to think outside the box and to truly try something differently. And guess what happens when you do that? If you can really step outside the box and reward someone and recognize someone, even in the midst of failure, people aren't scared about it anymore. And if people aren't scared of failure anymore, they will do amazing things for you and your organization. Number eight, tell people why you're not taking their ideas. Oh, this is so missed in so many organizations. You know, people really want to be heard. People want to be heard. They want to be listened to. And I, I see it happen all the time where managers, leaders solicit feedback from uh, people that they lead. They you know, have them complete surveys. They uh, get people together for brainstorming sessions. What's the best way we can go forward? And they get all this great information from people. And then they, maybe they take some of the information in. Maybe they don't. Uh, a decision gets made. And people never hear why. One idea was chosen over another or what happened with the suggestion they made that everyone said was a great idea at the time, but then nothing ever actually happens with it. And so people want to be heard. Uh, everybody understand, I shouldn't say everybody, most people understand that every single idea they're going to suggest is not going to be implemented immediately. People get that. You know, we're all human. We're all reasonable. We, or most of us are reasonable. We get that, you know, all of our ideas aren't going to get implemented immediately. But one of the things that many people don't get is why is it that the leader keeps asking me for my ideas and then I never hear what happens with them? So here's my question to you Have you closed the loop? Have you asked people for ideas? Have you solicited, have you had conversations about what's going to happen and then? decisions were made and people never figure, you know, heard why or figured what happened to that idea or maybe even someone suggests an idea and you never did anything with it. So one of the things I challenge you to do is if you're not going to take someone's idea that either especially if you've solicited it and then you don't take the idea, tell them why. Uh, you'd be amazed at the feedback you'll get from people. Uh, people will be very grateful for that. They may not agree with you, but they'll be very grateful that they were heard and that you considered their idea because when you come back and you close the loop, they know they were heard and they know you considered their idea. And people respect that even if they don't like it. Number nine, tap into the bigger reason for what your organization does. Tap into the bigger reason for what your organization does. I've seen so many leaders over the years try to get people excited about percentages and numbers. Uh, and, and I'm not slamming percentages and numbers. It's important. You've got to hit goals. After all, we run a consulting practice and training uh, program in our organization. We have to hit goals each year. We have to you know have, a, have our budget and you know at least get close to it, if not hit it or exceed it. I've been in a sales role over the years many times. Hitting numbers, I, I recognize the importance of it. You have to hit numbers if you're in a business. You have to be able to be profitable. But you 
but you shouldn't think that that's going to be the one thing that's going to motivate people. Uh, People, you've got to hit goals, but it's not just about the numbers. And a lot of leaders fool themselves that people are going to get really excited about that, you know, that percentage raise at the end of the year, especially in large organizations. I've seen this happen a lot where uh, leaders will talk to people about, well, you know, last year we got a, you know, you got a 3.2% raise. This year we're going to really try for that profit sharing to be 3.6%. And yeah, there's always that person out there that gets excited about that. For, for the most part, that's just not something people get that motivated about. I know anytime any leader talked to me about that, I never woke up in the morning and said, oh gosh, I'm going to get up to it. Maybe I'll get that 0.3% raise at the end of the year. That's not what motivates people, at least not for most people. People want to feel like they're connected to something. People want to feel like their work is doing great things in the world. People want their organization and the type of leaders they have to give them uh, tools and resources and things that are going to help them with their families and they're going to help with them with their professional development and make change in the world and do wonderful things. Uh, you know, most people aren't worried about the 0.2% at the end of the year. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of leaders talk about. And they try to get people excited about numbers and percentages. I don't even get that excited about that as a leader. And I'm, you know, and when I'm the person who's running the business, I don't get that excited about our numbers at the end of the year. You know, what do we hit this and that? Uh, so I, I don't know why I would expect that the people who I would lead would get that excited about it. And I think most people don't. So I'm not saying don't talk about numbers. Numbers are important. Again, you've got to hit them. People need to make their numbers. But tap into the bigger reason for what your organization does in addition to that, not instead of. Uh, One of the phrases that I love that I've seen over the years is uh, I've been fortunate to teach classes for the Northrop Grumman Corporation that um, and one of their big facilities is out in Southern California here in El Segundo, and they build the F-18 Super Hornet out there. And uh, when you go on their production line where they build that fighter jet and you look up into the rafters, you see a gigantic banner. And the banner says, build it like you will fly it. I, I love that banner because to me, that taps into the essence of tapping into the bigger reason for what the organization does. You know, yes, they have goals. Yes, they have their profit sharing, all those things. But really, at the end of the day, the banner that's above the production line says, build it like you will fly it. They have a tremendous amount of pride about their products, about the things that they produce in order to keep the armed forces safe, in order to defend the country. And so that is the type of thing I'm talking about. Give people a bigger reason for what your organization does. And then finally, number 10, be honest. I spoke about this a little bit ago. People remember when you promised them one thing and delivered something else. Now, be honest doesn't mean you have to share everything. And in fact, you probably shouldn't if you're a leader. There are certain things that any leader needs to hold in confidence and is going to be a part of any organization. But I would challenge you to do two things. First of all, share as much as you can. So the more transparent you can be, the better off you're going to be as a leader and people are going to feel like you're open and honest with them Uh, because you will be if you're sharing as much as you can. Again, not sharing everything, but share as much as you can with people. And if you can't share something, then tell people you can't share it. And, and be, be honest with them about what you can't communicate. And you, people may not be happy about that, but everyone understands that you can't always share everything. Uh, I know I've had things happen many times to me where someone said one thing and then kind of did something else. And I think all of us have been in a situation where someone as a leader 
has um, said something, and then we found out later that that actually wasn't true, and they knew it was. We knew that that person knew it wasn't true at the time that they said it, and and they didn't remember it. And one of the things that I that I always think of, you know, if you're willing to lie about something little as a leader, then aren't you also willing to lie about the big things too? So for me, if I'm being led by someone that's not fully honest with me, I'm always wondering, the, as soon as that trust is destroyed, I'm always wondering in every conversation, is this person telling me the full truth? You don't want people saying that about you. Once you destroy credibility, it's gone. You don't get that back easily. You don't want people saying that about you. So I would challenge you to be honest. Now, here's the thing that I also would challenge you to do is you've now heard 10 different things you can do to engage people today. And most all of these, you could do something today to engage folks with. And so what I would challenge you to do is choose one of these that you can use, that you can apply, that will help you to engage people more effectively. And then what I challenge you to do is to let me know. Let me know what worked. And again, there's a couple of ways you can reach out to me. And this is the point of the show where I do try to include some community feedback. And uh, there's a few ways you can reach out. Again, 949-38-LEARN is our phone number. Feedback at innovatelearning.com. Or you can Skype Innovate Learning. And I have uh, three brief comments this week that came in from folks that I wanted to mention. Uh, First of all, I wanted to mention a comment from uh, Mark in Texas who had uh, sent in feedback to our email address. He uh, just sent a real brief note. He said, I really want to thank you for your Coaching Skills for Leaders podcast. Your show has inspired me to share with my management team uh, to listen and adopt as many of your and Bonnie's ideas as possible. You guys are terrific. Hey, thanks so much, Mark. I really appreciate you taking the time to reach out to us. And I ended up going to Mark's website, and it turns out that his organization does some work in coaching children. And I recommended a book to him, and I uh, was thinking that some other folks uh, who are listeners may also like this book too, uh, if you certainly, if you work with kids and do any type of coaching of kids, which I know many people who listen to the show do, even if not professionally in your personal life, you do. And this is a great book called Positive Coaching by Jim Thompson. I first read this book about 12, 13 years ago. It is a great book on how to coach kids uh, in sport, you know, who are doing sports and to do it in a really positive and effective way. And I think that Jim Thompson really hits on some great things in this book. So if you're looking for a great tool, I would certainly recommend that book. Um, But here's the thing. Even if you don't coach kids or if you don't coach sports, there's a lot of tools and resources in there that would be valuable to any leader. So I encourage you to check that out. Again, Positive Coaching by Jim Thompson. So thanks, Mark, for uh, emailing in. Also received a tweet on Twitter from Michelle in Washington. She tweeted, this was my favorite, uh, one of my favorite moments last week. She said on Twitter, recently started listening to podcasts in the car. Yes, I'm a late adopter. My favorites include Harvard Business Review and Dave Stahoviak's Coaching for Leaders. Michelle, thank you so much for the tweet. And the reason that tickled me so much is I think that's the first time in my life that anyone's ever put my name and Harvard Business Review in the same sentence. So thank you very much for that. I so appreciate it. And then finally, a comment from David in New England. Uh, David and I have actually been emailing back and forth a little bit here over the last couple of weeks. And he had a great quote that he finished an email with uh, just a couple of days ago. And I thought I would pass this one along to everybody because I think it's a great way for us to end the show today. He said, 
what I say will leave with me. What you say to your team will remain, and that is why you will be successful. And you know, that's the same thing that's true for you. What I say is going to remain on this audio file, but what you take and do and what you say with this information is why you are going to be successful too. And so I challenge you to take one of these 10 things and put it into action. Again, you can find all the notes for this show on our website, innovatelearning.com. This is episode number 26. So you can find that on our uh, website, all the links, all the notes that I've mentioned today. Hey, if you or your organization is looking to improve the coaching skills of its leaders, let us know. We might be able to help. You can reach me anytime at 949-38-LEARN or feedback at innovatelearning.com. Hey, I've enjoyed this episode on this uh, series rather on engagement. Hope you have as well. And our next topic's coming up next week. Stay tuned and you'll hear about it next Monday. Have a great week, everybody.